Welcome to the Upper Room Podcast. Thank you so much for stopping by. I'm Pastor Carl McLaughlin from Calvary Pentecostal Church in Euless, Texas. We're located in Dallas-Fort Worth, where 8 million call DFW home. Whether you're tuning in to Sunday or Wednesday's message, we pray that you will find words of encouragement. It is our mission to provide a positive and encouraging voice in the midst of uncertainty. I pray that you will be blessed by today's episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Upper Room Podcast. We are so honored that you've chosen to listen today. In this episode, we'll hear from Pastor Carl McLaughlin. He preached a message Sunday entitled, The Other Side of Generation Z. If you're a part of Generation Z, this message is for you. We hope you enjoy this episode today. I am so very grateful for the wonderful presence of the Lord that we feel here today. I give honor to everyone who has joined on this beautiful Sunday afternoon in the house of the Lord. Certainly give distinct honor to all of those who are serving currently to defend our right to worship those who have given their lives. And uh, and I actually want to um, give tribute to the ministry here today. Um, Brother and Sister McGee, as you know, uh, you're very dear to the heart of this church. And uh, we give both of you honor. And to Brother and Sister Fuller, so good to see both of you. We give you distinct honor. And uh, what a delight it is to have you guys in the house of the Lord. And to all of our guests and all of our friends, thank you so much for being in the house of the Lord today. Can we welcome each and every one of our guests? We're very thankful for all of those who have come to be with us. You know, we, we, we celebrated and continue to celebrate the freedom that we have. And yet we understand that um, there is no greater freedom than freedom from sin. There is no greater freedom than when you come out of Egypt and Egypt comes out of you. There's a difference. You can come out of Egypt, but you don't get Egypt out of you and you just bring Egypt into the church. We don't want Egypt in the church. You come out of Egypt, get Egypt out of you. And I, we got a testimony here today. We got a testimony in the house of the Lord today. Austin, Austin is Damien's friend. They've gone through a Bible study together and Austin received the baptism of the Holy Spirit today. Evidenced by speaking with other tongues. That's freedom. That's freedom. My God, I feel victory in this house. Feel victory in the house of the Lord. Yes. I recognize the, the time and the season that it is. Um, that is the end of the school year, graduation. I know that next Sunday we will be celebrating with all of our graduates. Brother Cade Hendrick will be preaching that service. And, and that's probably, this will be the first time that I have not preached that service. And uh, it's always very dear to me. So I guess my message today is not necessarily a pre-graduation service. Uh, but, but I do want to direct my remarks primarily to Generation Z. Um, but generally to the entire congregation. And so I would like to say to all of our graduates how very, very proud we are. Calvary Pentecostal Church is very proud of each one of you and each one of your accomplishments, your achievements. 
to be committed to the, the academic rigor, whether that's in high school, whether that is undergrad or postgrad, um, to, to everyone who has pushed so very hard, um, we give you honor. And I do want to, when there's, there's special recognition, and I know that this will be done next week, but I want to do it because I'm a pastor and it's in my heart and I feel it and I don't want to not do it. Carly, valedictorian? Come on, honey. My Lord. Incredible. Incredible. I, I, could, I could talk for 30 minutes on what that means in terms of commitment. I won't, but I could. And then when I concluded, mom and dad could come up here and preach another 30 minutes on it. And then you would probably just go, it's done. Now to move on to <laughs> even more arduous uh, study. Very proud of you, sweetheart. Very proud of you. I, because it was on Wednesday night, we were not able to be there at the graduation. But Cade came back and he told me, he said, Pastor, you would have been so proud of Carly said when she was delivering her valedictorian speech, she was the only one of those who spoke who even mentioned God. And, and to the effect of, if it were not for God, I would not have been able to accomplish this. And, and, and mentioning God and said that, that there, was a, there was a hand clap and an applause because you mentioned God. Thank the Lord for young apostolics who are academically driven who can maintain their integrity, who can achieve wonderful things and, and walk in holiness and be an example. Absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. It just, it makes our church proud. It makes our church, the heart of our church, very, very proud of each and every one of you. So thank you so much. With that being said, let's go into the word of the Lord. I have one verse that I would like to read to you today. And then I will, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know if I'm going to teach or preach or treach or what. Um, it's not a good thing when your pastor and your pastor's wife go to Sunday school at 2 o'clock and, and, and they're doing a celebration with the kiddos because today originally was planned to be 5th Sunday and so we just wanted to make sure that that schedule got done. And, and so Sister Hall had messaged us and said, hey, can y'all just step in? Well, here's the deal with that. You step into children's environment and you don't just step in and step out especially when they're playing games and especially when it's team one against team two and team two I was on team two and quite a few others were on team two and so we came up with this little chant twos never lose back to the one one and done <laughs> problem is problem is is that Sonora was playing too and she's highly competitive as well and, and so we had an absolutely wonderful time, not very often that my wife and I get to go into Sunday school with the children, be with them, and, and, and spend time with them. So I'm kind of feeling crazy right now, kind of feeling crazy right now. And, uh, and so we'll, we'll unpack the word of the Lord and, and see where we go with Psalm 145 and verse 4. One generation shall praise thy works 
to another and shall declare thy mighty acts. That's what Carly did at the graduation. One generation shall praise thy works to another and will declare thy mighty acts. I want to, I want to speak to you, um, not to the baby boomers, not to the generation Xers, not to the millennials. Um, if the shoe fits, wear it. But I really want to speak to the other side of Generation Z. The other side of Generation Z. Oftentimes, we only hear one side of your generation. And oftentimes, it's not a positive view. I want to preach about the other side of Generation Z. Can we pray together before you're seated? God, I love you. I pray, Lord, that there would never be a gap in generations. I pray that the praise and worship that I learned from my pastor, I would continue that until I go to the grave. I pray that my children would continue that. And I pray that their children one day would continue that. And that their children would continue that. I pray, God, that apostolic identity would never, ever change. I pray, Lord Jesus, for Calvary Pentecostal Church and that it is passed down from generation to generation to generation. God, we exalt your name today and we thank you so much, Lord, for your anointing. We thank you for your power. We thank you for the work of your spirit. Thank you for Austin receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost today in a great church service. God, we give you praise right now. It's just one generation giving God praise to the next generation and the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. I love seeing our children and our kiddos on the front row. I love seeing them around this altar. I love watching them when their hands go high in the air and they're giving God praise. We have no idea what they're going through, but when they come to the house of God and those hands go high in the air and they're giving God praise, we ought to be thankful, Calvary. We ought to be thankful for this younger generation that God has tremendously blessed us with. You can be seated all except for those who have been born from 1997 to 2012. Please stand. Or if, if you don't, if you're sitting there figuring that out now, when was I born? If you are 9 to 24 years old, stand. What? This is Generation Z. This is Generation Z. You can be seated. They range from 9 to 24 years of age. They were born between 1997 and 2012. They are Generation Z. Most people see, when they look at Generation Z, the gamers. Most see the apathetic. Most see those who perhaps lack ambition. Those see others that are always on the phone. And I might say right there and just hit the pause button that before we cast a stone at Generation Z, I've seen baby boomers and go all the way up to the 80s and 90s on their phone. So we better not cast a stone at them and say shame on them. We'd all, it, the bug got a hold of all of us. The bug got a hold of all of us. But that's what we do. We, we you know, they said that 
angels said when Generation Z went to heaven, said all of them had a neck problem. And the reason they had a neck problem is because they all walk around like this. <laughs> Their head's just down. Problem is, that doesn't, that's not relegated to Generation Z alone any longer. I think all of us. The Economist magazine referred to Generation Z students as stressed, depressed, and exam-obsessed. In the fall of 2018, Pew Research Center surveyed 920 Americans ages 13 to 17 about the problems that they have seen among their peers. The data shows that though concerned, they are less concerned about age-old teenage problems like unplanned pregnancy and binge drinking. And they are more concerned now, this is peer among peer, they are more concerned now about mental health. Fully, 70% of respondents the, uh, thought anxiety and depression were major issues among their peers. As a result of the mental illnesses, suicidal ideation is a predominant issue today. Unsurprisingly, mental health concerns have climbed during the pandemic and even post-pandemic. Across the world, rates of depression and anxiety rose more than 25% in 2020, according to research published in The Lancet. Younger age groups saw greater increases than older groups, with the 20 to 24-year-olds enduring the largest leaps of all. In all of the United States, the rate of depression climbed in 2021 to nearly 33%. One in three Americans age 18 or older are affected per a study out by Boston University. Pressure. People are under pressure. Pressure push, pushes in a direction. While one side of Generation Z may be pushed into what they are now calling quarter-life depression or quarter-life crisis. It's no longer midlife crisis. They're hitting their early 20s and they are going into quarter-life crisis. That's why the 18, 19, and 20-year-olds are considering suicide. Thank God for a church where Austins can get the Holy Ghost. Thank God for a church where Carl McLaughlin's can get the Holy Ghost. Thank God for an apostolic church where there is hope, where there are lifelines that are thrown out to the suicidal, to the anxious field, to the depressed, to the drug addicts, to those that say, you know what? I think I'll just shoot up and just end it all. No, you don't. No, come to the house of God before you call it quits. There's a hope in the church. I'm talking about somebody named Lee that can get the Holy Ghost today. Before you check out, you got to make up your mind to get back in. I feel the Holy Ghost and I feel God wanting to heal somebody in this place. I'm telling you, don't you dare throw in the towel right now. Some of you need to look back right in the eye of the devil and say, not today, devil. Not today, devil. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And greater is he that is in me. God, I feel Generation Zers rising up. I feel a younger generation rising up. Can we clap our hands and give him praise right now? Mom and dad, the greatest thing you can do is praise God when you're going into a valley. Let them know that it's all right to go through trouble. 
Don't put a face on it, a facade on it. Let them know when you got hard times. But let them know also, hey, baby, we're not going to skip church when we're going through a hard time. Hey, sweetheart, just because we're going through a hard time, we're not going to sit down on God. We're going to get those hands high in the air. We're going to get those hands high in the air. Come on, don't let your spirit and your attitude pull you down. Let your spirit of the Holy Ghost pull that attitude up and give God some praise in this house today. Yes. Pressure pushes in a direction. And while one side of Generation Z may be pushed into quarter-life crisis, anxiety, depression, panic disorders, and mental illness in general, there is another side to Generation Z. Much like the woman with the issue of blood who pressed her way through the crowd to get to Jesus, the other side of Generation Z will use pressure in a positive way. I'm just, you're looking at some Generation Zers who they may be under pressure, but pressure has pushed them into the direction of the church. Pressure has pushed them into the direction of prayer. Go ahead, devil, put the pressure on. Our hands are going high in the air. Go ahead, world. Go ahead, culture. Put the pressure on. We're going to go high in the air. We're going to be here on Sunday. We're going to be here on Friday night. We're not skipping Bible study on Wednesday. The world is under pressure, but we're going to press through the crowd. We may have issues, and we may have blood issues, but we're going to press through the crowd until there is healing in our body. Come on, Generation Zers, we need you to push through the crowd. We need you to make up your mind you're going to push through the adultery. You're going to push through the homosexuality. You're going to push through the lesbianism. You're going to push through the gender fluidity. You're going to push through the drugs. You're going to push through the pain. You're going to push through the trial. But you're never going to quit. You're never going to quit. You're never going to throw in the towel. Push through. Somebody give him praise today. Man, I wish I had the video of the youth choir practice. Noah, you knew it was coming. Come here. Get up here. Get up here. Bro, I got it right after you sang. You got to understand I'm the pastor. When good things happen, they're going to share it with me. You don't sing a solo like that and not get a testimony out of it. You ought to hear, what was that song? What was the song? Uh-huh. What? I speak Jesus. You got to understand. Nidia, you got to understand. Started coming to Sunday school, started going to Sunday and all of a sudden receives the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We baptize him in Jesus' name. Youth choir practice on Friday night. He tried out for a solo. I speak Jesus. Come on, Generation Z. Come on, Generation Z. Come on. We're going to give God praise together. We need to get generations together. We don't want them doing it by themselves. We got to praise the Lord together. You got to get those feet up. You got to get those feet up. There we go. You got to get those feet up. You got to give him some praise, Noah. 
You got to give him some praise, Noah. Come on, some of you need to sing, I speak Jesus. Some of you need to go ahead and sing a song again. And it's the other side of Generation Z. Somebody unleash them. Somebody unleash them and let them go in revival. Woo! We need a Generation Z takeover. You're not committing suicide. You're not strung out on drugs. You're receiving callings. You're singing specials. Trying out for solos. Writing songs. Starting P7 clubs. Starting churches. That's what Generation Z is doing. Teaching Bible studies and bringing them to church and them getting the Holy Ghost. That's what Generation Z is doing. It's the other side of Generation Z. Come on, Calvary. We need to get behind them like we've never gotten behind them. We need to get behind them like we've never gotten behind them. Come on, Calvary. Come on, Generation Z. Let's go climb some mountains together. Let's write some songs together. Let's win some souls together. I don't know what some of you are doing sitting down right now, but we're in the middle of revival in Calvary. Some of you need a fire under you. Some of you need a fresh baptism of the Holy Ghost. If that doesn't light your fire, you are dead. You need a refire of the Holy Ghost. You need a refire of the Holy Ghost. Somebody praise him. Somebody praise him. We're pushing through. It's the other side of Generation Z. We don't see the Noah stories in the news. All we hear is the negative. All we hear is they're dead. All we hear is they're apathetic. All we hear is they're always on their phone. All we hear is a bunch of complainers about Generation Z. That's not what I'm looking at in Calvary. That's not who I'm looking at in Calvary. They're doing some powerful things in their generation. Yes. It's the other side of Generation Z. They use pressure in a positive way. It pushes them into a deeper walk with God. It pushes them into a fearless commitment. You know, their logic is this. If the world can promote their agenda, and I'm supposed to go hide in a corner somewhere, I say, I'm a Christian. I'm an apostolic. And they're going to promote their agenda. Somewhere something's gotten into the heart of the other side of Generation Z that says, uh-uh. Uh-uh, I'm not staying quiet about my Jesus. I'm not staying quiet about my Jesus. If you can push your God, I'm going to push my God. Come on, Generation Z. It's time to come out with boldness. It's time to come out on fire. It's time to come out and do something no generation has ever done before. It's your moment. It's your hour. Somebody give him praise right now. 
I'm going to promote my Jesus. I'm going to promote my God. I'm going to talk about him at graduation. I'm going to talk about him at P7. I'm going to talk about him when I go to school. I'm going to talk about him when I go to Cain's restaurant. Yes, the other side of Generation Z. The anointed, the gifted, the called, the blessed side of Generation Z. You can talk negative if you want to. I choose to see the best. And I want to pull the very best out of them that we can pull out of them. Somebody lift them up. Somebody lift them up. Generation Z takes the words of Jesus seriously when he said, For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with his holy angels. So Generation Z just says, Look, I don't want him being ashamed of me. I'm not going to be ashamed of him. I'm going to give him praise. Furthermore, I'm not going to make an apology for the way we dress. I'm making no apology for being apostolic. I'm making no apology for the doctrine that I embrace. I am making no apology for the holiness lifestyle that I embrace. I am happy to be apostolic. I am happy to follow biblical modesty. I am thankful. Come on, Generation Z. If they're getting crazy with their standards, and they are, you need to go crazy with your standards. Lift your head up and you be proud of who you are. And you be thankful for who you are. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Generation Z has grown up in chaos and change. Listen to me, moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas. They are not afraid of what previous generations feared. We seem to project our fears and anxieties on them because we remember a time when there wasn't so much change and there wasn't so much chaos. All they know in their life is change and chaos. They've grown up in it. There's a resiliency about them that perhaps even an older generation does not have. We need to be careful that we're not some projecting so many things onto them that they walk around terrified and scared to death. Oh no, that fly is going to get on me and if I get that disease that that fly has, I'm going to die. <gasps> Hello, help me. Help me. Help me. What they're saying is let me just do a work for God. If I die while I'm doing a work for God, then I die while I'm doing a work for God. But I want to do something to make a difference. I want to do something to impact the world. I don't want to stay in a cubbyhole and be afraid the rest of my life. Woo! Change has forced three things to be developed in Generation Z. Different and dynamic. More and sacrificial. New and innovative, different and dynamic. While maintaining apostolic distinction, 
They will seek and they continue to seek unconventional ways to accomplish the will of God. And the results will be and they are dynamic. Just because it's different does not mean it's wrong. Like I said, and please don't make me qualify my statements right now, while maintaining apostolic distinction, they will seek unconventional ways to accomplish the will of God. And if we'll turn them loose, the results will be dynamic. Before we judge prematurely, let us remember people climbed rooftops in unconventional ways, tore the roof off in unconventional ways, and figured out how to get people to Jesus in unconventional ways. Come on, Generational Z. It's time to tear the roof off. It's time to figure out new ways to have revival. Mark chapter 2 verse 1, and again he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, no, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. Then they came to him bringing a paralytic man who was carried by four generations ears. Oh, I didn't say that, I'm sorry. Just making sure you know your Bible. And when they could, here it is, they ran into an obstacle. They ran into an obstacle, but they didn't let the obstacle stop them. And when they could not come near him in the conventional way of walking through the front door, because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, Generation Z is not going to stop with the first obstacle. They're going to keep having you service until they break through. Oh, God, I feel like preaching in this place right now. Woo! Some of you are facing obstacles, not just the generation's ears. Don't you dare stop at the door of your miracle. You got to come through the obstacle. You got to make up your mind. If you can't get through the door, get a ladder, climb up the ladder and get on the roof and break it up. But somehow get to Jesus today. Somehow get the Holy Ghost today. Somehow let your miracle happen in this place today. But don't let an obstacle stop you. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. These are four men. Let's put some names to these men. Let's talk about Generation Z and let's put some names to these men. The first man's name is Envision. The second man's name is Collaborate. The third man's name is Innovate. And the fourth man's name is Execute. Envision gets together with three others and they're carrying a difficulty and they're carrying a problem and they're carrying an issue. They come to an obstacle, but all of a sudden the potential in these four men in Generation Z really starts coming out. See, you don't know what a person's made of until they hit an obstacle. You don't know what a church is made of until you hit an obstacle. You don't know what a generation is made of until they hit an obstacle. God put obstacles in our path so that vision can come out of us and collaboration can come out of us and innovation can come out of us. But don't let us just draw the plan. Somebody's got to execute the plan. Somebody's got to leave the locker room and get on the field. Somebody's got to leave the church and get into the field. Somebody's got to take action 
and bring revival to the city of Eulis. It's the other side of Generation Z. Envision says, I see what we can do. Collaborate says, I see how we can do it, but I see how we can do it better together. Let's collaborate and talk. Innovate says, I know it hasn't been done before, but I know the tools that we need to get it done. And I'm just telling you right now, Generation Z is being educated in a way that we've never been educated before. There are brand new tools being put in their hands that you and I are not acquainted with. We better tap into the younger generation and say, look, you can be an innovator. You can be an, in fact, that's one of the characteristics of Generation Z. The positive side is that they are very entrepreneurial. They, they see things and they go after it and they chase after it. They're not afraid, remember? They're not afraid of the things that we've all been afraid of. And so they say, look, change is always happening chaos is always around us I'm going to try something brand new if it doesn't work I'm going to learn from that and I'm going to try it over here come on younger generation God has an anointing on your life and what you've learned in school and what you've learned through tools you can bring it into the kingdom of God and light this thing up like it's never been on fire come on Calvary let's get behind them let's get behind them Innovate. You got somebody with vision. You got others with collaboration. Others that innovate. They're ready to innovate. They know the tools. They're, they're equipped for it. God's been dealing with some of you. Some of you may have even changed your degree plan. Whatever it is. It might just be the mind of God and the will of God. It might be God knowing that if there's a bigger picture than just a salary. There's a bigger picture than a paycheck, a week-to-week -week paycheck. God forbid that you live week-to-week. You've got to have a bigger vision than that. My heavens, you've got to see something. You've got to see eternity. And it may not always be predicated on money. You may make less but do the will of God. Just manage your money accurately and correctly. You don't make <coughs> as much as you thought you would make, but you manage it so you've got free time to do the will of God and to put your hand in the work of the kingdom of God and bring souls in. So all of a sudden you go to mom and dad and you say, mom and dad, I feel like God is changing my degree plan. <coughs> and because we have fears and because we think if you get that degree, you're not going to make a six-digit figure as soon as you graduate. <coughs> might, have to, might have to drive the white bomb. So yeah, but if I have to drive the white bomb, I'll never get a husband or I'll never get a wife. Get in a white bomb, do the will of God, and God will bring Vita McLaughlin into your life. Son, look, you, you got, you're not going to tell me. You're not going to tell me. Yeah, but pastor, if I could just make, you know, $100,000 coming out of undergrad. If I could buy a house and I... I Look, I feel for this generation. I don't have any idea how they're even going to buy a startup home. Startup home's a mansion to you and I when we were younger. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy. We got this fourth guy. His name is Execute. Man, vision's good. Collaboration is great. I'm glad you're team players. Innovation and the tools that you have, we, wanna, we want them to work. But Execute. We need some generation Zers that will execute. They believe that the risk of not doing something is more expensive than doing it and failing the first time. 
It's not I might fail, it's what is it going to cost if I never try it? You got to make up your mind to put it in action and try. Kimmy, keep on trying, baby, and keep on working hard. All of the training. God, let your hand be on Kimmy's work. God, let your hand be on her foundation. God, let your vision inside of her impact the community of Hearst Euless Bedford. Come on, Calvary. We need to focus on the other side of Generation Z and watch God bring revival through them. Please hear me. Disruption, innovation, and dynamic go together. If you want the miracle, you must enlist those who are not afraid of change and they don't fear what you fear. The central focus was Jesus, not their own inventions. This is critically important. So when you have success, don't focus on yourself and don't focus on your own knowledge. Always keep Jesus as the center. Notice those four men. What were they doing? They weren't innovating just to innovate. They weren't creating something that had never been done before. Say, look what I did. They weren't trying to become some celebrity on Instagram by posting pictures and just the right shot of it and getting a bunch of likes. What they were saying is, look, we've got a vision. We're going to collaborate. We're going to innovate. We're going to execute the plan. But our central focus is getting that problem into the presence of God. And if we can ever get it into the presence of God, it's God that does the work. We're just the servants and we're just the laborers. But if we can get to church... If we can get the problem into the presence of the Lord and if we can tear some things open and get them into the presence of God, then we get people receiving the Holy Ghost on Sunday afternoon. Come on, church. We can do it together. This is our hour to have the greatest revival we've ever had. Let every generation come together. Let every generation come together and work in the field. Today, and you know this, Generation Z knows this, you can be an author without having authority. You can watch enough YouTube videos and never go to college and be, a, be author something. You can put it out there, but you don't have authority. Remember that. The purpose of the four men was to be centered and focused on spiritual results by connecting people to the author who holds all authority. One of the most disruptive, innovative, and dynamic moments created an unstoppable movement was at Calvary and Pentecost. When Jesus said, you shall be endued with power from on high, that word power is dunamis. It's where we get our word dynamic. When you get the Holy Ghost, you are a dynamic generation. The Bible said in that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high or dunamis from on high. It means a miraculous power. It means an inherited power. When you received the Holy Ghost, you received inherited power to accomplish miracles in the world. God through you will accomplish the miracle. We have a dynamic generation. Maybe different, but let the dynamic power of God work through them to accomplish some wonderful things. Warning. Warning to Generation Z. Seek wisdom and authority before you seek empowerment. On more than one occasion, young people have driven their vehicles into a lake or river because their GPS told them to do so. without proper application is dangerous. 
in 2018, and I quote, a driver in Vermont steered his car right into Lake Champlain. The driver says he was using the navigation app Waze, which apparently insisted that driving into the lake was the right way to go. Many of you, okay, so here's a generational test. How many remember Frogger? The arcade game Frogger, raise your hand. <laughs> Y'all remember? These were games in the 70s and 80s. That's pretty innocent right there. You don't have to worry about any junk going on with that. You remember Frogger. Some of you played Frogger. That's Frogger. That's Frogger. There was a guy, believe it or not. Okay, all right, so go check the facts. Guy played Frogger and decided to take it to real life. In the Frogger arcade game, players move frogs through traffic on a busy road, and you saw it, and it gets busier and busier to go to the next level. Police Chief Jimmy Dixon said the man stood beside the busy freeway and yelled, Go! And all of his friends darted out into the oncoming traffic in the four-lane highway and started playing Frogger, human Frogger, and got hit by an SUV. Fortunately, he lived even though he lost the game. <laughs> so I'm only stating this, but not promoting curiosity and certainly not endorsing this game. Do you remember the Pokemon craze in 2017? Y'all remember that? In 2017, at the end of that year, police reported hundreds of people were killed or caused car crashes by playing the outdoor avatar game. Researchers from Purdue University even created a document outlining the dangers of it all in what they called Death by Pokemon Go. Believe it or not, in 2015, there were eight shark-related deaths, but 12 selfie-related deaths in our world. I wondered what happened to those selfie sticks. I guess they outlawed them. By 2018, there were five shark-related deaths. That was decreasing. But there was an increase to 25 selfie-related deaths. The gap just keeps getting bigger and bigger. Having Power, information power is not enough. Power needs direction. Power in the wrong direction is deadly, but power in the right direction can become dynamic. Let's break through some roofs together and allow Jesus to see your faith going in the right direction. You're not quitting. You're not backsliding. You're not going to the world. You've got power, but you've also got godly direction. And you've got to seek authority in your life. And you've got to seek wisdom in your life. Don't ask for power with no authority. If you want power, you've got to have covering in your life. You need a pastoral covering in your life. You need a parental covering in your life. You need authority in your life to direct that power for spiritual outcomes.
Information without application leads to danger. Generation Z is underexposed to firsthand experiences far later than they're ready, says Tim Elmore. Because parents are preoccupied with safety and preventing anything from harming kids, many playgrounds today have had the jungle gyms. Y'all remember jungle gyms? They've had the jungle gyms removed because parents assumed that those jungle gyms are dangerous. You know, Lucas might fall off the jungle gym and break his arm. Or Liam might be climbing on the jungle gym and fall onto Seth. Both of them get hurt. And so because of these injuries on the jungle gym, all parents said, you know what, get rid of the jungle gyms. Sadly, therapists reveal that scaling those jungle gyms builds the motor skills, the psychomotor skills that kids need as young adults to navigate scary new situations. However, because we're fearful of things they're not fearful of, we work to prevent kids from fearing, failing, and falling while all of us fell. How many of you remember that bicycle you had? And you didn't tighten those bicycle bars down tight enough. And when you hit the brake, you were going as fast as you could. And you were going to take that ramp. When you went over that ramp and you jumped the trash can, you came down and your, your handlebars went boom, bam. Psychomotor skills said, uh-oh, you failed because cognitive learning, cognitive domain didn't understand. You got to get a... You got to tighten that thing down. So next time you go out there, it's before I jump that and jump that trash can. We learn how to use a ratchet set. Let me tighten that down so that when I make the jump, it holds me. In short, our kids get too much information with too little application. The result, says Elmore, adolescence is expanding on both sides. With so much early exposure, listen to me, mom and dad. What some of our boys and girls were being exposed to when they were 14, 15, and 16, or even 13, 14, 15, 16, because it, from 12 to 14, that door opens where the hormones start pouring in, and all of a sudden, you know, they get that one little hair under their arm, and they're like, and, and, and all of a sudden, you know, it's like, it's like when John Michael was little, he was little, and he put a sign on his door, no girls allowed. I said, son, I'm going to remind you of that when you turn 16 years old. No girls allowed. <laughs> Something happens hormonally. Listen to your pastor. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. It's God created, but as it is God created, it is relegated for marriage only. That means the information that you get on this is off limits. Can I get some help in this place right now? This is, it used to be a phone, it's more than a phone. It is a device that can be used for dynamic things, but it's also a device that can be very dangerous and send you into a world that you'll never make it out of pornography and all kinds of perversion and all kinds of filth. Come on, Generation Z. You gotta have a right pursuit of holiness and a right pursuit of godly conviction that as for me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord and my mind and my eyes and my heart are committed to Him, not them. Can we clap our hands and give Him praise right now?
God, we give you praise right now. God, we give you praise. So essentially what happens, and this is something as a pastor, this is stuff I'm dealing with. As leaders, when you're teaching Bible studies, Roy told me, he said, Pastor, one of the things I've been running into teaching Bible studies is so much um, mental uh, disorder, mental illness, more, more so than ever before. Um, much more exposure to sexual content at 10, 11, and 12, where used to, it was 14, 15, and 16. And once that image, because of epinephrine, because of a hormone in the body, once that image is seen, it snaps a picture and it makes an indelible print where it's forever there. You can fight to get that picture out of your mind and you're fighting a losing battle. And that's why, that's why men or women, that's why men or women will struggle and feel extreme guilt for the rest of their life because they can't get that indelible imprinted image out of their brain because of the way God hormonally and physiologically created this, this hormone. It's like taking a picture. Or, or another example is like when you have a hot iron and you're ironing clothes, if you get that iron too hot and you set it down on that white shirt and you leave it there for a little bit and you pick it up and it's got that image there, you can't get that image out. So when you start fighting against the image, you're fighting against the wrong thing. You've got to superimpose another image on top of that image. And you've got to see the image of Jesus Christ going to Calvary where he hung on a cross and he shed his blood for you. So that it superimposes. You need to see the words, I forgive you as you repent of your sins. And though you can't jerk those pictures out of your mind, you can put some brand new pictures in there and you can see Jesus Christ hanging on a cross with blood flowing down his body. I know this stuff wasn't talked about from the pulpit 30 years ago and that's why me and my generation are dealing with a lot of problems on the pew. So I'm going to talk about it as a pastor so that we can address these things and you and I can deal with them together in a spiritually mature way so that Generation Z can overcome and they don't have marital problems. They don't have marital problems later because they ignored it and it manifests itself in their marriage later. So instead of having to go in for emergency work in a marriage, we get Generation Z before they get married and go into preventive maintenance. We get this stuff taken care of before you ever say, I do. Easy. Easy. At face value to look at Generation Z. My God. That's wrong. 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 If it's wrong and it's sin, then let's call it like it is. That applies to every generation. But if it's just nitpicking because it's different and we drive a wedge in a relationship with them, then we want a voice in their life and they say, well, you treated me so badly. You're not going to have a voice in my life. I'm going to let the voices that affirm and validate me speak into my life. Don't make me qualify holiness and sin. I'm not talking, I'm not talking about endorsing sin right now. I am talking about working together with a generation. 
to make an impact in, with multiple. In, in fact, this is, what, this is what happened. This is why Pentecost broke out. This is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. Then in the last day, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Who? Upon whom? Your sons and your daughters are going to prophesy. Your young men are going to have visions. But while they're having vision, old men are going to dream dreams. Two generations that need to come together. If we're always looking at all of our differences and never find points of agreement, how in the world are two generations going to come together? Let me go ahead and argue for four generations coming together because we probably have three to four generations uh, represented at Calvary. Why in the world would we have that generation over there, that generation, and all of a sudden we got all these little pods or these little silos that move through a church? Why not break the silo down, build some bridges, pull the generations together and say, my Lord, man, I've got a dream, but I don't have the energy to accomplish the dream. But man, you're full of energy. I mean, let's go. And you say, yeah, well, you know what? Listen, how, here's how we're going to get there, Nolan. Here's a, there, there, I got an old horse out there. I need you to get that horse and hook it up to the buggy. And you're going to say, uh, pastor, why don't we take a plane and go fly? Good idea, Nolan. Let's do that. We'll get there a lot faster. You see what I'm saying? Just because the tools are different. Thank God for the pandemic. We learned some things in the pandemic that have made major improvements across the globe that we would never have been shaken out of our comfort zone to innovate and incorporate some things that need to be incorporated into the kingdom of God. We would have never been forced to do that. Thank God for disruption that produces innovation that then can produce a dynamic result. Small minds get stuck on the disruption and they can't think beyond disruption and they go around looking at all the faults and all the issues. Visionary minds say, yeah, it's disruption right now, but here's what I see coming out of the disruption. I think there's a generation that can climb up that, that wall right there and get on top of that roof. And if we'll just let them do it, it may look messy for a little while, but they're going to Jesus. And they're going to get that man to Jesus. And, and let's not prejudge when everything's torn up on that roof. They, they've got a method behind what they're doing. What you do is you come back and you say, hey, everything good? You let us validate you and affirm you so that we're complimenting one another and we're doing some real powerful things together. Because you guys, you guys, the dreams that God has already put in your spirit, it's unbelievable. I don't have time to really tell you the entire story about a guy by the name of Stephen in Tanzania. But there was a corporation, a group that called LEAD that went there and started showing them opportunity. In fact, it's called an opportunity statue that the Greeks use. And this opportunity statue and this, this, young, this young man who was making $1.50 a day salary. $1.50 a day salary. Saw this opportunity statue. And they started talking to him about being a driver instead of a passenger. A passenger is a victim that has no control over their life. 
A driver says, I refuse to be a victim of poverty. I refuse to be a victim of a dollar fifty a day salary. I feel like I can do something much better in my life. I'm going to get in the driver's seat. And, the, and this young man by the name of Stephen in Tanzania, he saw it. It's, it's a statue with long flowing hair in front, but bald in the back. It's the way the Greeks tell time, carologically. If you don't seize the moment when it's in front of you. So here's what they're saying. If you don't reach out to opportunity and grab a hold of that hair, if you ever let it pass you up, stay right there. If you ever let it pass you up and you try to grab hold, there's nothing to grab hold to. You need to know your moment and your opportunity when God visits you and say, right now is my opportunity. I'm going to grab hold of it and never let go. Your academic dreams, desires, and pursuits don't compromise them for anybody. Your call in the ministry, your dream, your aspiration. Some of you, some of you have gifts and dreams and anointing sitting on a shelf. And you are going to go to the judgment seat of Christ giving an accountability for the years that you wasted. But I'm a passenger. Well, then become a driver. But I'm a then this is it, and this happened to me, and that happened to me, and that happened. Okay, well, get out of the passenger seat, get into the driver's seat. It's opportunity. Thank you so much for tuning into the Upper Room Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the episode this week, and we cannot wait to see you Friday back on the podcast for an all new episode. Hey, if you want to stay connected with us, don't forget to follow us on Facebook or Instagram at Calvary Ulyss. That's Calvary Ulyss. Or visit our website at calvaryulyss.org. We have some fun features over there that you can go take a look at. And we cannot wait to see you there. God bless and we'll see you guys Friday.